and welcome back to the joy of aquatics and today very special day we are speaking with chris dellett yes i've learned to say chris's name properly it is indeed chris dellett and her two sons so we have mark and peter now they're all in different towns so this is the first time i have had a number of guests that are not in the same town. So I'm interested to see how my equipment's gonna go, so bear with me. Um, But we are continuing on with the same theme. We are still talking about programming, how programming works across a number of different facilities. And of course, um, the the Delacorts, Mark and and Peter Delacort and Chris Dellett um, have a number of facilities. And this is all, well, I'm gonna let them explain it to you because it's a fascinating story. Um, but yeah, so all about programming, how was a program developed? We spoke to Chris about that last week and then how does this work over a number of different facilities and not all of their facilities are in the same town. They're spread out across Queensland. So it's going to be really interesting to hear how all of that works. Now, this is important for teachers to know because If you end up teaching with a program that you don't believe in or that you don't understand and you have questions, you need to be able to ask questions. You need to be able to find out why. And I want you to feel comfortable in being able to do that as well. Now, I've been a swim school owner and I've had teachers go rogue and they've sort of they've come away from the program and I only ever gave an overarching program. How they taught those skills was up to them, but they were teaching skills that weren't in that particular level. So I'm like, well, hang on. No, we need to stick to the program a little bit. So that's what I mean by going rogue. But I've also been a teacher in other programs where I'm like, this program doesn't make sense. To me, this program is out of order. So I've been in both positions and I really wanted to be able to have these conversations with small swim school owners. Cause of course we spoke to Sarah a couple of weeks ago um, from Maura. And below, she's got a number of facilities now, but she started out with one swim school. Um, and now we've, we're talking with um, Chris Dellett, Mark and Peter Delacourt as to how programming works over a number of facilities. So here we go. All right, with me right now, we have Chris Dellett, we have Mark and Peter Delacourt. Guys, welcome. Oh, Joy, thank you. Hi, Joy. Nice to be here. Now, you guys are all spread out over the place. Chris, you are in Townsville. Peter is in Cairns. And we've got Mark on the Gold Coast. This is, so all in Queensland, Australia. Fantastic. We've got a family spread out over the state. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) How do you guys work together when you're all so spread out? Well, I work very closely with Chris. Pete's in a little bit of a different scenario and a little bit of a different um, different program, but we all sort of communicate as much as we can or as little as we can um, <laughs> when it comes to uh, mum, especially at the moment when she's um, bedridden with her knee, she gets a little bit overexcited during the days um, because she's got a lot of time on her hands. The yeah. content is coming thick and fast at the moment. Yes. So for for our listeners out there, Chris has just had her knee. She's had knee surgery. So yes, she's knee replacement. Yep. 
Yeah, she's she's bedridden right now. So now if you listen to last week's episode, um, Chris spoke about the boys and growing up in a swim school setting. So Mark, Peter, what was that like for you guys growing up at the pool? Um, I'll go first, Marco, because um, I was the first born. <laughs> uh, we had great, great memories of, of that kind of environment. Uh, we had the backyard pool in air and then moved to the uh, the squash courts and built the, the centre there. And that was mine and Marco's first job, running the canteen there and um, and the reception, taking the $2 notes off, off people as they come through. $2 notes? Um, How but, old are you fellas? Yeah, I'm 39. <laughs> I don't yeah, remember $2 notes. Back in those days. But um, nice. yeah, inflation gets you, hey, it's 20-something now, so... Yeah. But um, yeah, we had we had a really good environment, it was an active environment. We had the, the unlimited use of the pool and squash courts. Um, good family environment, you know, parents working at home. So, um, and then at the Gold Coast, yeah, the same. It was sort of kept us employed. Me going through uni and um, and had a um, a really great sort of halfway house for all of my friends in, in the local area in Rubina to so drop in and party at, you know, teenage days away. Nice. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I mean, my my probably youngest memory is mum trying to when we had our first pool in air. Um, when we were real young, I was mum trying to get get us out of the pool when it got dark, and the only way she could get us out of the pool was threatening that I was going to have an asthma attack and die um, <laughs> if if I didn't come inside because the cool air was setting in. Um, so that was sort of. <laughs> Getting us out of the pool was probably one of the biggest challenges. And then as as time progressed and, you know, she started to heat the water and built indoor pools, um, there was and we had light and it was inside that didn't work anymore, obviously. <laughs> so we could swim all day and all night if we wanted and she would have to drag us out by the by the ears if she wanted to get us out of the pool. So uh, <laughs> that's our, that's my youngest memory of, of swimming at our at our swim school and growing up around a pool. Wow, what a great memory that is, though. That's fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. So all three of you run swim schools in three different parts of Queensland. Now, is it all the same program? No. Um, no. So, so no, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Um, it's hard to say. Um, I'd say that growing up with the same values and having mum as, as my mum and Marco having mum as his mum, um, that, it's, that we take on mum's uh, values and it comes across in our programs. But I'm not quite 100% sure what they do at their swim school and they're probably not 100% sure what I do at mine. Um, yeah, we, we, get, we share information. I can see their certificate goals and levels and all that sort of thing. But uh, yeah. what actually happens in the water, I couldn't say. Okay, so Chris, you haven't gone, this is the program and this is what we're teaching at each swim school. No, well, when Pete started his swim school in Cairns around about 13 years ago, Mark was actually still over playing uh, rugby league in England. Um, so he was at the end of his NRL career. So I sort of helped Pete and, and his partner, Jess, start a little swim school up in Cairns. And of course, because we just sold Rubina Aquatic Centre in 19, uh, sorry, when was it? 2007. It was in 2008 that I helped Pete get started. And obviously, because of Pete's own experience, he's added and, and made, you know, more levels in his program to suit what he specifically wanted to do. 
so the same progressions, basically the same philosophies of, you know, no tears and just making sure you cater to the individual. So Pete's developed a, a little bit different program. Uh, when Mark came back from overseas and we, we got another little swim school going on the north side of Cairns, uh, we, we actually used a program that then has morphed a little to become the Little Snappers program. So if you looked at both programs, I would imagine that you would see common skills, um, you know, being performed prior to the next skill being introduced. However, yes, Peter has developed a, a, a lot, uh, a, you know, maybe a few more levels. He's also developed a wonderful uh, program for newborns, which is free, and I think I've spoken before about it, called Welcome to Water. Uh, we've always yeah. done that an educational program, but his program that he's done, I, honestly, I look, I'm so proud of what he has done with that. Um, but, yeah, so pretty well, that's just my little say on, on the similarities and the differences. Okay, so... I, I guess, Joy... Joy, to expand on that really quick, obviously we, um, we Pete has the one site and we have three sites at the moment. Prior to that, we had four. Yeah. Um, we had to alter the program, obviously, and we'll flow into this conversation, I'm sure, more as we go on, um, as making the program uh, more understanding of the capabilities of the instructors and multiple sites. So um, as Pete's program, I'd say, would be a lot more levels uh, and a lot more progressions and a lot more um, um, detail, we had to find a middle ground to basically figure out how we can get our program across all sites and have operators and managers deliver that program uh, the way that we want it delivered. Well, that's that's really interesting that with a couple of, of sites, you've, you've really got to try and work, make it work with what I, I liked what you said about the capability of the teachers um, with what they yeah. can do. So that's that's really good. All right, so how many teachers do you guys have then at, at your sites? So each of our sites probably has an average of around seven at any one time uh, based on that number of, yeah. of students. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Pete, you're about the same? Yeah, or? there's um, there's seven seven teachers. Okay. Mix of full time and part time casual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And Chris, what is your role in amongst all of this? Do you oversee? I, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, probably as of later, my my role in Little Snappers Holdings, which is our sort of head company, is yeah. more program director and staff training and and any um you know tweaking of of um you know, lesson plans and and things like that or um so i guess that's probably more where i come from uh and i i do a little bit behind the scenes too with you know banking and and, and making sure you know that all of that side of it's sort of coming along fine and yeah yeah where um i guess mark mark really probably the succession has been that He's probably taken over more of the uh, control. Mark, you might like to say what you actually do, not only for the, the little snappers at Yarra but also sort of running the whole of the um, the others as well, the other franchise schools that we have. I, I think the best um, answer to the question would be, what what does Chris do? And she's basically like a, um, I guess you could we could call her a, a consultant within our business. So. Yeah. In a nutshell, when it comes to programming and anything swimming related, she's the first port of call. So 
if we have, let's say, we reintroduced um, we introduced the skill of side breeding into a level four class just recently. So the process was, how's that going to look from level one to eight if we add in side breeding in level four and not introducing it in level five? It doesn't just mean putting in a new, it doesn't just mean putting that into level four because it affects what happens in level five, level six, level seven, level eight, and also the, the levels prior the level to that. Level three, so, yeah, because if they don't have yeah, the right skills in level that. three, they can't, they're not ready for that in exactly level four. Exactly right. Yeah. So what ends up happening is that a lot of people think, oh, let's just put a new goal in, no problem. But there's actually a really big progress uh, process that's involved in that. It's, Chris, okay, how, how's that going to look? You need to look at every single lesson plan, every current skill progression, and figure out where that fits in and what you're going to alter to get to that that um, introduction of that new um, skill in that level. So yeah. that's something Chris will go away and I'll, I might come up with that idea and say, oh, I think we should do this. She'll look at it and go, all right, how's, this is how it fits in. She'll get on the computer, she'll look at the skill progression and she'll play with it until it makes sense. She'll run that by me. I'll see that how that's going to be put, you know, portrayed or or delivered yeah. to our to our operators and then to the staff. How the operators are going to deliver it to the staff. Yeah. And if it's in the too hard basket, sometimes we have to wait a little bit longer. Um, yeah. But we just went through that process just recently with the whole introducing a new skill into a level, and um, that's basically how it works. I yeah. put it to Chris. She goes back, see how it stacks up, and then we move on from there. Yeah, so all those minor changes within programming have ripple effects above and below yeah, and out to other staff and, and management. There's, there's, I, th I think that's one thing that a lot of swimming teachers forget. When you make a change in a program, it does have ripple effects throughout the program. Yeah, changes a lot. That's yeah, I, great. Mm -hmm. I think that's, um, yeah, that's 100% right. And I think that the issue is with that too is that teachers get really, instructors get really comfortable with teaching a certain way or they yeah. get used to the program the way it is and introducing that one skill can really, really put a hiccup in the, the progression of each class Yes. Um, when they relearn that, that new way of teaching. Yeah, yeah. All right, now I've heard you guys say lesson plans a number of times. Do you write lesson plans for teachers and then they have to teach that lesson that week? Um, or how, or do they just get given a set of skills? These are the skills that have to be learnt in this level. It's up to you how you do it. Like, how, what, what's the process for you guys? I try to avoid mandating a lesson plan, a weekly lesson plan, um, what they have to do specifically each week. Yep. Um, I find that if you do that, it just makes the teacher lazy yep um, yeah mm -hmm. I, I can't prove this or anything but this is just in my mind if i'm going to give someone a list of activities to do all they're going to do is say yep kids do this and they're not really going to um put any thought process into what they're teaching and how how they're going to teach it yeah so what i do is i have um obviously i've got a framework a program framework over the over the 10 week term Okay. So, base ba bare bones of it is we're doing freestyle for the, for example, freestyle first four weeks, backstroke the next four weeks, bit of breaststroke butterfly last two. Okay. Um, and within those four weeks, I'll say, this week one of freestyle, you're doing a breast control focus. Okay. So in all of your progressions that you do, I want you guys to focus on the breast control part of the activity because each activity has, as you know, multiple 
multiple um, elements. Elements to yep. it that that it's just such a big complex thing for a, for a teacher to teach and for a kid to take on. Yeah. But if you can just have that week week one, we're going to try and focus on your breath control. Yeah. Um, along with the million other elements in, in swimming, Involved, such a complex yeah. skill. Um, so, yeah, week one, try your, your breath control. Next week, it's head position, body position. Next week, it's kick. Okay. Um, and then week four, it's pattern. Yeah. Um, but for those four weeks, I will give them a set of recommended progressions. Okay. I'll say, okay, this activity, this activity, and this activity is a progression. Use that progression with your head body position uh, focus. Yeah. So... Um, obviously, all right, if your head and body position is good, don't focus on that. Focus on the kick or their pattern. Opens up the teacher for a little bit more scope of how they're going to teach. Or we're not going to do that activity at all. We're, we're going to do something else because all kids are different throughout each level. They've all got different abilities and mm-hmm. uh, they're at different stages of their of that level. Yeah. So they might, they might rip through um, into the pattern of arm side and perfecting technique and entry and and all that sort of thing so they're not mandated with this is your lesson plan week one i just feel that it takes the scope away from the teacher to be able to use their um, teaching brilliance and individualize the instruction for each of their kids yeah yes i'm i'm a big believer in the same thing um but i know across big swim schools that um What's my word? My word's just gone out of my head. That quality control, I guess, is so important. So yes, I so, think that's yeah. where where we where we had to differ slightly from that. Not to say that we want our teachers to be robotic by no means, but finding a middle ground between between giving too much freedom yeah. and not enough freedom, and too much structure and not enough structure. And I think. Yeah. You know, that balance has taken a really long time for us, um, you know, because obviously Chris, you would have, Chris is very detail orientated. I mean, from the, the the nails of your finger that comes out of the water first to what part of your <laughs> your hair on each finger um, enters the water, um, you know, the skull, everything is so detail orientated. So our program could be so, so extensive, but we also understand that swim schools naturally have a high staff turnover as well. Yeah. So, and regional areas to cities are totally different as well. Yeah. Um, so we understand that we need to find a middle ground as to how do we get new teachers who are really new to the game, execute the amount of detail that we want in our program. Um, one thing that we, we realized is that we used to break it right down on the lesson plans and be really detail orientated where it would be, the skill and then every kind of way you could achieve that skill, every element of that skill in the yeah. lesson. Um, and we found that that was like, they spent too much time reading. Like if you if you want to go in there and look at it, they spend time reading the lesson plan as opposed to being autonomous. So yeah. we our lesson plans now, we do have them for every site. The teachers take them into the pool yeah. uh, and they're up, updated um, regularly, regularly, but not too regularly so that they're not having to relearn too much okay um, but we will have the, the eight skills on the back of the lesson plan and then also the lesson plan with some suggest suggested um, elements of each skill on the on the lesson plan side so they sort of they still have a lesson plan to keep to and when we um, talk to the instructors 
Um, it, they do have the ability to sway away from it as long as they're doing the main focus of the skill and they are achieving that skill and it's in uh, a non-forceful manner and they stick with our philosophies. Yeah. Interesting. It's really interesting to hear that even within sort of the one overarching company, you still have these great differences, which is, and, yeah. and that you recognize that and, and that it's okay. I think that's that's really cool and that it's it's important. So, yeah. Yeah, it's so individualized. It really is. Um, it, it, and, you know, we, we've had the site in Cairns and the two in Townsville and then the one in Brisbane they all operate so differently across all areas and towns and suburbs. Um, you know, what, what works for one doesn't work for the other. And that comes right back to every element of the business. Yeah. Um, you have to be really, uh, really aware of, of where you are and what your demographic is and, and also, you know, the um, quality of your, your team. All right, guys, I have had to pull it up there because this conversation actually lasted another 25 minutes. So I've decided to uh, split the conversation into two different episodes. So what we've covered today is really a bit of groundwork about how their business is set up with um, sites, multiple sites throughout the state and all run by different parts of the family. So some run by Mark, some by Peter, uh, and uh, Chris overseeing um, in an advisory capacity over the top of all of that. But what we get on to is actually really cool and really exciting. And that's that's a part of how do teachers get to communicate. Um, and oh, I, I just, I so want you to hear it and I just want to play it and tell you, but I'm going to make you wait. So next episode you get to hear the rest of the conversation and we do a bit of a loop we go around in a circle we we move on from here and we start talking about other things and we come back and i guess what that highlights is how important programming is to swim schools and how the ripple effects of programming um i I guess appear in all different parts of what it is to be running a swim school and being a part of swim school life as a, as a teacher and a student or a parent, all of those fun things. So anyway, stay tuned for the next episode where you get to hear the end of this conversation with Mark Delacourt, Peter Delacourt and Chris Dellett. Stay safe, happy swimming. And if you are not swimming yet, if you're not back, happy creating. Happy creating.